of Watch the Game, presented by the Nation Network. I'm your host, Sam Blazer, and this week I am joined by contributor at The Score, NHL editor, Ian McLaren. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? I can't complain. Like I said before we got on the air, I was watching the Blue Jackets uh, play the Sabres. It's 2-0 at the uh, first intermission, so I'm I'm a happy camper. Uh, I I can you yeah, know, let, I let all that go. Yep. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm watching. The, I have talking. the Bruins game on in the background too, and they're uh, they're up two nothing on on the Predators as well. So that uh, can't ask for anything more than that right <laughs> now from them. Exactly. So I want to talk to you about that real quick before we get into the uh, the nitty gritty. Sure. So you're a Bruins fan in Canada. How exactly does that work? How did that come to fruition? Uh, it was mostly uh, through my dad, I guess, when he was growing up. Uh, it was like the Bobby Orr era. And uh, Bobby Orr being from Ontario, I guess a lot of, uh, yeah, people from up here kind of followed his career and, and tracked him and watched him when he was on Hockey Night in Canada. So my dad ended up turning into a Bruins fan through watching him and then just kind of passed it on down to me as well. Hey, So it's kind of a hereditary thing. Also, I, I grew up in Ottawa and it was before the Senators were around, so... Um, I didn't really have like a hometown team per se, so I just kind of adopted them and then kind of followed the Senators once they came in as well as kind of my B team. Come on, you can't date yourself like that, you know. I know, I, I know. You, that's really one of Richard. I remember birthday. actually. I remember where I was when, like, I heard over the radio that uh, that Ottawa had been granted an expansion team. I think I I've been. Probably, I think I've been twenty-one for four straight years now. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I can't keep track of it anymore. It's starting to get too difficult. No, but that's an interesting pathway to uh, get to the fandom. Because a lot of times when it's not uh, within, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, area that the, you, you're growing up in that you're not a fan. That there's always something, uh, some connection like that. And I always love to hear it because, you know, the not the non-traditional way to to find a franchise is always a little fun. But you know, mm. I'm, I'm having you on here to talk a little bit about the awards to see what you think about uh, the players and teams this year. Um, and so we're obviously going to start off with the Hart Trophy, the one that uh, everyone really cares about here. Yep. And uh, so my question to you is, is it going to go to defensemen, or do you think that this is going to be a, a Connor McDavid's to lose? Because a lot of people have been talking about Burns and Carlson, but most recently the uh, uh, the talk has been a little bit more McDavid kind of coming in as a dark horse. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, uh, Burns has kind of cooled off as of late, and the the Sharks have as well. They're they're tailing off a little bit here down the stretch. So I think any talk about him has probably died down at this point. Carlson, on the other hand, it, he's still going pretty strong, and I think he might be able to um, sneak in for another award, which we'll probably talk about in a couple of minutes. But I do think that it takes like. It takes a special season for somebody other than a forward to win the Hart Trophy. It it usually defaults to that, um, minus like a Carey Price or uh, I guess Josie Theodore won it uh, back in the day as well. But I do think, uh, yeah, it probably is Connor McDavid's to lose. I know Crosby, you can make a great argument for him, but I just look at Edmonton and I, I think – they have improved a lot and and they are a lot deeper than they used to be and have like a more solid roster up and down. But if you take McDavid off that team, I firmly believe they're they're a lottery team for sure and probably back in the bottom bottom of the standings, like 
not as bad as Colorado probably, but probably bottom five. <laughs> Whereas Pittsburgh, if they lose Crosby here and there, they lose Malkin here and there, they lose a bunch of key players, and they, they just keep finding a way to to keep getting it done, which in the voters' eyes probably takes a bit away from him. But I think dark horse-wise, um, if Tampa Bay ends up making the playoffs, then Nikita Kucherov, uh, you can make a great case for him, the way he's been playing lately with all the injuries that they have. And he's just like carrying a team, leading the league and scoring since February 1st. And um, if they can squeak in, then he might be able to uh, get a few votes just based on kind of like recency bias and stuff like that. He's been out of his mind, really. Oh, mm-hmm. like watching him play, I, I you know, I've watched him play in years past. I thought he was pretty good. But this year it's like he gets the puck and it's uh, the defense almost just surrounds him. I mean, even for example, uh last night when I was watching the uh, Lightning uh, Blackhawks game, uh, all the the defense just completely like almost panicked when he had the puck. And I mm-hmm. don't I don't think you don't see that very often. You see it with like a McDavid, and you see it, but it's weird seeing it from him. I mean, I yeah. I don't doubt that he's that good of a player. I mean, I've seen him score. I mean, I remember when he had that, like that streak where he had a a couple hat tricks, you know, within a few weeks yeah, span yeah, and yeah. I thought to myself, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> who is this player and where is he coming from?" But he's always yeah. had that he's always had that skill. But I think mm-hmm. I I'd have to agree with McDavid thought there for yeah, a period of time. Yeah, I just don't see him losing it at this point. Yeah, for a period of time it seemed like it was uh, Burns a trophy to lose, but now it's kind of mm-hmm. now it's kind of gone uh, all over the place. So, you I, mentioned yeah. a little bit ago talking about uh the defenseman there. Now, where do you land on the Norris trophy debate? Are you uh are you a Carlson um, person there, or are you uh, are, are you gonna go with Burns there? There's there's so many good picks there now that yeah, I really don't know where to go. It's so tough. I think I mean Burns has had a, an amazing season. He he was on pace for like I can't remember exactly what it was, but like the best offensive season since like Paul Coffey, I think. Um, but he's gone a stretch here without scoring and hasn't been racking up the points as much. And I think what um. Carlson is uh he could overtake Burns in scoring by the end of the season but he's also Carlson has also um like upped his defensive game so much he's you can no you can no longer criticize him for not killing penalties and or not blocking shots um and I think that's kind of overlooked uh somehow this season that everybody was always saying you know he's He's just an offensive dynamo, and he, he doesn't play actual defense. But under Guy Boucher, he's really been able to nail down both uh, ends of the ice. And for my money, he's the best defenseman in the league today and maybe one that one of the best that we're going to see like in this generation for sure. So uh, until further notice, I think he's he's the guy to win a year in and year out in my mind. I would agree. I mean, what happened last year I thought was so odd with the Dowdy thing. I think Dowdy's a good defenseman. Uh, when I've talked yeah. to people from, uh, you know, the Kings organization or people who, you know, work for him, their their thought process is, yeah, they're, uh, he's, he's pretty good. And yeah. they understand why people like Carlson. And they're almost like two like diametrically opposed players. I don't really know, like, how you could really go against one or go for another. There's just mm-hmm. – it's just a weird uh, – I guess I don't even know. Like it, there's, 
you just have two school of thoughts. When you have the old school guys who are saying, you know, he comp- contributes his offense, but also does this. But you see it this year with Carlson, where right. defensively, I mean, uh, you really do. And then with Burns, I mean, he's not necessarily, quote-unquote, as strong. But when you take it from the metrics of, you know, the underlying numbers like uh, Corsi, Fenwick, and things like that, he's, right. up th- he's up there with Carlson. But there's just something to Carlson's game that he's a little bit more physical and he is – Getting the puck away from players, I feel like a little bit more efficiently. So mm-hmm. it's 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 interesting to watch him play, and I I'm, I'll be interested to see how they do that. They have put that come together because obviously not a lot of people end up watching the Western Conference. So there's that quote unquote True, East, yeah. Coast, East Coast bias. So the Burns it's kind of a weird gone. it's kind of a weird award too because I don't people I don't think people know what to do with it. Like, do you vote for the guy? Who puts up the most points? Do you vote for like the best defensive player, or ideally it's the best of both worlds? And I think that Carlson this year, especially, um, fits that mold perfectly. Yeah, I would say that he definitely fits the mold too. When you, that's what's like, so tough anymore because you also have, you have the old school guys. And then you have the guys who are, you know, a mix of the two, and then you have the new school guys. You have the new school guys who are going to go full on for the offense. Who has the most points? Who has like the, you know, the the highest underlying numbers there? And right. You kind of pinpoint that and do that. And then you see some people who've been writing for a while, and they're trying to employ some of it, but they're also taking a lot of their eye test. And so I think it's kind of it's kind of compelling to see where they uh, take the two when mm. you know. There's no real standout this year. I mean, you could say Carlson, but I think you could make a good case for Burns as well. So yeah, it's going to be. I don't think you can go wrong either way. Um, yeah, either either guy is going to be is going to be deserving. I don't think you could argue. Any no one could argue strongly against either of those guys. So without it's kind a of a toss up. Yeah, without a doubt. Now I want to talk a little bit more on the defensive side of the ice. Is that the Selkie Trophy? I feel like is not a, a one that's been discussed a lot this year because I think it's still a Patrice Bergeron's to lose. Do mm. you do you feel that way as well or is there someone that you're seeing uh, come out come out and possibly challenge him? Uh no, I do, I still think it's his to lose. Like he um he did start off the season pretty slow uh, offensively, but his defensive game was still there and now he's uh he's come on offensively and he's also, you know, put out there and um high risk situations that line of his um uh, him and Marshan are like the the top uh kind of analytic guys out there with with the best kind of underlying numbers as well so i mean again he's kind of like carlson he's kind of like the perennial guy uh to win it in my mind and I mean, uh, Anzi Kopitar has had an off season. Um, I mean, Jonathan Taves will probably still get a nomination. Um, I see guys kind of like Barkov in Florida and Couturier in Philadelphia as like the next wave of um, like the year in and year out nominees. Um, but for this year, I think um, – Bergeron is the guy. A, a sneaky candidate, I think, maybe that could overtake him is uh, Miko Koivu in Minnesota. Um, he's had he's had a fantastic season as well at both ends of the ice, and uh, I don't think the Wild get get talked enough about in that way. But um, I know Bruce Boudreaux has really he's come out a few times to say, you know, w- wake up and and see what this guy's doing and I think um he should be deserving of a nomination at, at the very least. 
He's having such an underrated career, I think, because you look at mm-hmm. you look back at what he's been doing, and he's just solid across the board. Yeah, people, people always think to themselves, you know, it's the Parise show or that's like the Sitter show, and you're like, right. I mean, they they have been good in the past, but they're, they're kind of going down this year, and it's been you know Grandlin and it's been um and it's been Quavu a whole lot that are keeping them afloat. I do yeah. think I do think it's Bergeron without a doubt. Uh, Kopitar mm-hmm, yeah. is normally in there. Uh, Taze is normally in there, but neither of them I think are having good enough years to really even get close to the discussion there. So I think mm-hmm. it really is going to be. I guess it. I don't know if it depends if the Bruins make the playoffs or not, but that might maybe a knock on them in some people's eyes if if they don't. But if they don't make it, it's not his fault by any stretch of the imagination. Like he's done everything, everything he can. Certainly, it's more of a a team thing than anything to do with with him specifically. So. But some people take that into consideration, but I certainly wouldn't if I had a vote. I'm wondering where they even go from there. I guess they would give it to Taze if that's going to be something that's super important to them. But I feel like I guess I, that's that would be weird. Yeah, <laughs> and I hope it, yeah. And I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for at sure. least in my opinion. So uh, the next one I want to ask you about is the Jack Adams. That's another trophy that's been dubbed the PDO Award because of the <laughs> yeah. people, uh, because of the way that the teams perform. Uh, the, the teams that seem the most likely as of right now, or the coaches uh, rather, are Bedreau. Tortorella, Sullivan, and Babcock. Do you mm-hmm. have Do you have one of those four as uh, your potential uh, pick? Um, I would probably I would probably put Tortorella up there. I know a lot of people are saying, um, kind of that huge winning streak that they went on kind of inflated their success, and maybe he's riding a, a resurgence from Bobrovsky. But the fact that they are challenging for the President's Trophy after the the season that they had last year is uh, there has to be something to what he's doing in order for that to happen. So I think that he would certainly be up there. Um, I think you got also, I was thinking about this one the other day and there's just so many candidates. Like you can't overlook uh, what Guy Boucher has done in Ottawa. Um, even Todd McClellan with, uh, with the Oilers. I know. Yeah. Maybe um, he's obviously benefiting from, um, from McDavid, and he's riding Cam Talbot maybe uh, to exhaustion come playoff time. But um, those are two guys that you can't overlook either in my mind. But at the end of the day, um, I think people will see what Tortorella is doing and and uh, give him some some love for that. That that warms my heart as a Blue Jackets fan. You know, it, what's interesting is I, I've had that. I said this probably a couple of times in the podcast now at this point. But what I've said before is I was not a fan of the signing at all. Right. I was yeah. like, when it was happening. I thought to myself, you know, let uh, let the assistant coach take it over after the year. You know, see what see what you have in front of you, then bring someone in. Because I mean, yeah. that's what what always ends up happening is there are good coaches that are fired uh, mm-hmm. because of like a, a wary you know playoff performance. And when you're someone who's not even getting into the playoffs, right. <laughs> those are the people that you're going to want to target because that's going to be your first step. And then after that, you'll start working worrying about the Stanley Cup. But you know, it's worked out for the Blue Jackets, and I, yeah. I and it's, there's a little bit of change to him, not much, but I think that there is some change to the way that he's mm-hmm. approaching it because a lot of the he's employing a lot of the new quote unquote styles of wanting to push the puck up the ice. So that's a exciting to see in its own regard i think looking back it actually was beneficial for them to bring him in when they did because i remember all even like after the all-star break the second half of the season he was kind of approaching it as like a extended um showcase for this season or kind of figuring out who fits where 
and treating it as like preparation for this season, knowing that last season would not be salvaged. So I think the groundwork that was laid late last season and uh, through training camp, it, you're seeing that paying off now. Whereas if you had brought in a new coach and he was just meeting everybody for the first time come training camp, you might not have had that familiarity to to um, to hit the ground running this season. Without a doubt. And I think another one that may be compelling uh, as a choice would be uh, Guy Boucher. I think mm-hmm, he, yeah. I think he's someone that could end up getting some votes, at least uh, on the Canadian side. And so that's what I think Babcock has a real chance. But I think if that this ends up coming down to it, I think the Canadian votes may end up getting split that way because Boucher right, has yeah. come in and he's not had a big winning streak. He his expectations, you know, aren't terribly high. But the mm-hmm. team the team looks different, and they've been battling all kinds of injuries, and they've been steadfast throughout. So I think that's kind yeah. of exciting to see what at least happens. Uh, on the Jack Adams call. And so then I I'm going yeah. I'm going to ask you about another one and I swear to god this isn't a selfish question. It's just the next one that's coming up. But yeah. uh oh, who do you have for the Vesna? Um I would have I would go with Bobrovsky I think right now. Like he I think he leads the league in wins and save percentage and uh he's just come on so strong as of late whereas um even a month ago I think Devin Dubnik was was up there as a, a strong candidate. Uh, I think Braden Holby has still had an amazing season. I think if he wins tonight, it'll be three straight seasons with with 40 wins or something ridiculous like that. Um, but I think, yeah, Bobrovsky has just um, played so strong uh, as of late, and a lot of voters. I think the GMs vote for that one, so a lot of them kind of just look at the who has the most wins or who has the best save percentage with the highest workload or, or something like that. And if he finishes at the top of those, then I I think he um, will probably end up bringing it home uh, for the second time, I guess, which is pretty impressive. Right. And I, that's something that I was kind of like, oh, this is going to be his second time, especially after yeah. the lockout shortened season. I think another uh, you brought him up a little bit ago, but I think Cam Talbot definitely uh, yeah, yeah. deserves some mention. It's also kind of scary how many times he's played this year. I know. When it's he, insane. And I think uh, uh, I'm going to say his name completely wrong. I'm going to butcher it to all hell. But Laurent Brassat, I think he's yep. done. Like I don't think he's been bad enough uh, in the starts that he's had this year to really warrant, you know, the amount of like or rather the lack of ice time that he's gotten. And that's yep. going to be interesting come playoff time because if uh, Talbot goes down, where the hell yeah, are you exactly. supposed to go from there? You have to you have to establish game. it. They played a, a few days ago against the Avalanche, and they still started Talbot. And I'm like, if you're if you're not gonna start your backup in that situation, like just give the guy a night <laughs> exactly. off. He's done so much. That's especially heading into the playoffs. I don't know what the rationale was there, but yeah, I think he's he's gonna push like 70 starts maybe. And um, yeah, if he tires down or or suffers an injury in the playoffs, they're pretty much they're pretty much done. He's he's pulling the Marty Berdur special, you know. Yeah. I th- I think though on his end, if Talbot you know keeps it up, and I think he's able to improve, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a race. But that's mm-hmm. just because you know obviously you're going to love that narrative of the guy playing yeah, yeah. so many dar- so many games. And I think Holtby is another uh, interesting one. 
Uh, and I think uh, Dubnik is also uh, another interesting one. But Dubnik's really fallen off recently. Yeah, with totally. Wild, yep. With a wild uh, falling off there. And so here's another one that is going to split the Canadian media uh, when the winner is announced uh, is the Calder Trophy. Uh, yeah. The Matthews lining debate. You also have Kachuk. You also have Wierenski, Marner, yep. Nylander. There's just so many that it's really, really tough to figure out who's going to win this because I feel like there may be a chance that some votes may be split and we may actually end up seeing uh, a funky like winner there if you have like a bunch of yeah. third place votes. I, that's something that I've been considering recently. I'm like, you know, everyone's kind of saying, you know, line A, things like this, but there's also going to be people I think that are going to end up uh, doing stuff out of spite. If that makes any sense to me, who do you have uh, winning the award? Uh, This one's tough too, but um, even with all those guys you mentioned, there's still like Matt Murray in the mix Mm -hmm. um, as a goalie. Um, But I think, I think at the end of the day, the three guys that will be the finalists, I I would hope would be uh, line a Matthews and Wierenski, I think definitely deserves um, some love um, there as well. Um, for me, I think the best overall rookie this year is Austin Matthews, just the way that he's been able to put up points. Um, I, I put more weight on the center position and what is kind of demanded from that position, especially from, uh, a teenager or a rookie. Um, and to see what he's been able to do, um, has been, uh, just astounding what he's been able to do now. You mentioned like Mar- Mitch Marner and William Nylander have also had exceptional seasons as rookies in Toronto. So I don't know if there'll be some votes split um, that way. And I think, again, uh, the, the voters, I don't know how deeply they look into things, but if if Line A ends up having the most points and the most goals, uh, I think a lot of voters will kind of defer to that and say um, put more weight on that, especially – when he's um, not playing with those other rookies that Matthews is playing with in Toronto. Now I know Line has the benefit of playing with Mark Shifley and he's kind of sheltered in Winnipeg and um, is riding like a very inflated shooting percentage, but those kind of base numbers um, are what voters look at the most. And I think, I think Line is going to win it, but I would give it to Matthews personally. I think it's going to end up going to Matthews as well. The yeah. What's nuts to me is that you have Kachuk so like, yeah. so far out, and I think almost any other year, when you look back, like historically, he would have won this. And it's like I can't even put into words how nuts that is when he may end up being like sixth or seventh. <laughs> I know it's it's a crazy crazy rookie class for sure. I, I don't I don't I don't even know how to like to comprehend it. So it's going to make yeah. next year so much more boring when all all this discussion is just yeah, exactly. around uh, surrounding uh, the rookies this year. Now the final yep. trophy that I want to talk to you about and it's always an interesting trophy because you don't necessarily want to be the person that wins it and mm-hmm. I don't know how lucky you are to actually win it and so it's always a weird question when i say uh, when i whenever i bring up this trophy because it's like how, do you really want to be the winner but uh, who do you have for the uh, bill masterton trophy um i think uh i think all but three teams of of are not i guess it's the writers that that uh, name the nominees for that and uh, for me, I've been talking all year about how special Craig Anderson's season has been uh, with what he's 
um, gone through off the ice with his wife undergoing treatment for cancer and having to take extended uh, time off from the Senators. Uh, but when he's been on the ice, he's he's played as well as any other goalie in the league. Uh, so putting those two together, I think, um, I think it's kind of his... Um, not that it's like you want to win that in a landslide or anything because often it is kind of the guy who's been through the hardest thing or, or something like that. But um, just the, the season that he's had, the way he's been able to play through it and the support that he's received uh, from the team and the media and players and other teams around the league, I think, um, yeah, when, when the awards are handed out, it'll be uh, another opportunity to kind of honor him for for what he's gone through this season and and how he's played through it yeah you never really want to be a two-time winner of the master <laughs> yeah. trophy that's just yeah. that just indicates like oh, wait, i don't even wait, know if there's been one right that, mean, it's just yeah. a weird thought uh even to to try to put it all together but um what i think is interesting is that you know anderson i think is going to win but i think there's some also some candidates out there that uh are compelling just for uh, an outside reason. I mean, w- with Zetterberg right now, he was mm-hmm. nominated. Yep. Uh, it's such an interesting thought because it's like, well, you know, he's played with this team forever, and this is like the maybe the first time that the Red Wings are missing the playoffs. I think in his entire career, yep. and he's obviously having to persevere, and he's playing some of the best hockey of his career. So you're thinking to yourself, man, what? Uh, obviously, I don't think that he deserves it, but you also have to think to yourself. Man, I I hope that he gets some sort of recognition yeah, so, so, yeah. somehow because uh, in the Eastern Conference, I don't think there's a lot, whole lot of people that can you know say that he's done what he's uh, what, say what's been happening to him thus far. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously, yep. it doesn't really compare to what the heck else is out there. Yeah, I think even um, what you saw the other night in Carolina when, or last night, I guess when Eddie Lack went down at the end of the game and the. Uh, the Red Wings stayed on the out on the ice to uh, make sure everything was okay and to kind of offer support to the Hurricanes. And Eddie Lack himself today kind of gave a shout out to to the Red Wings and to Zetterberg specifically for that. So yeah, you're right. The way he's been able to kind of carry himself um, through this down season for the Red Wings and and just how respected he is around the league, I think yeah, that's a, a solid bet as well to to at least be a finalist i think a lot of people laughed when blashill said that zetterberg was going to carry him to the playoffs but there's also something <laughs> yeah. there's also something to that statement where you're kind of like well i mean if anybody's going to do it i feel like it could yeah. possibly be him and he's tried his damnedest throughout and yep. of course now the red wings are going on a little bit of a uh winning yeah. streak so that's not doing any uh wonders for their save percent or save percentage uh yeah you know uh draft a lottery percentage there right right yeah so um that's all I've got on the awards there. Do, is there any other ones that you want to discuss? Uh, the What about the Marc Messier, uh, was it, is it the Courage Trophy? I forget mm, which one that is. There, there's the leadership, leadership Award. Leadership, leadership. Oh, maybe Zetterberg would be good for for that one as well. It's, un, it's unbelievable. It's like I, there's so many of those kind of awards where I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, that's that's a thing. I, I can't I, remember. <laughs> I guess the Lady Bing is Lady Bing is another one. one. That's another weird one. I don't where even kinda, know. Where you're kind of like, I guess it goes to the person who's taken the least penalty minutes, but being yeah. very good. I, I guess it's yeah. it's kind of weird how that people have uh, formed their own little uh, qualifications for it. Now, yeah. one other thing I want to talk to you about before I let you go, Ian, mm-hmm. is 
on your end and on my end, we both listen to Pete Holmes' You Made It Weird. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, and we're big fans. And, of course, Crashing is now on HBO, and we're both yes. watching that um, out of nowhere. So – or uh, out of uh, out of our minds. But anyway, what I wanted to ask is also you have uh, on your uh, bio on Twitter is that you studied theology when you, I did, were, yes. when you were in school. I want to know how you ended up going from theology to where you are now because I feel like it's – uh, an interesting road, or at least a story that I haven't heard, so I'm I'm compelled to hear it. Yeah, I mean, I I did a year of um, a master's degree over in Scotland uh, for a year and earned a a master's in it was called practical theology. And uh, when I we came back to Canada, I kind of uh, spent some time uh, working at a group home and just doing some some different things and. Um, I had actually applied for an internship at the score and, uh, I didn't get it, but at the time, uh, the guy who was in charge of that or in charge of kind of like the content side, uh, he gave me some great advice and just said, if you want to, um, get into the field, then just, um, start, start doing the work. So, um, over the course of a couple of years, I just, created my own uh, sports blog site and then gradually kind of worked up to more established sites. And through that, I was able to, when the opportunity came up uh, that the score was hiring, I uh, had applied and was kind of able to draw on kind of the stuff that I had, had written on various blogs and stuff as a way of demonstrating that I was able to, to do it even though I didn't have kind of a background in journalism or or much professional writing experience and thankfully they they took a chance on me and um I've been there it'll be four years I guess in this summer so uh yeah I've had a pretty good run run there and uh it was just all based on kind of putting in the work in my spare time and kind of building a, a base of of work to be able to to link to or to show them that uh, I had the ability to kind of parse the game in a in meaning in a in a way that uh, gets it across effectively and that uh, people enjoy, I guess. For sure, and I, that's one of my favorite things is a lot of times when you talk to anybody who's in the business itself, they just say, "Well, you kind of just have to start doing it," <laughs> and, yeah. and that seems to be the case with you. And I, I mean, obviously, I, I love what you write over at the Score, and it's uh, great great stuff there, and so. I guess like the last question that I uh, have to ask you is the mm-hmm. uh, hardest time that you've ever laughed. <laughs> oh, and, for, and for people that don't know, that's something that uh, on Pete Holmes' podcast that he asks everyone at the very end. So I, I want to ask uh, Ian, and uh, of course I want to get. Uh, hopefully, it's a good answer. Actually, yeah. all, all of them though, I feel like they're always pretty darn good on the show. So I've actually thought about this just from listening to the podcast and. I had one, like, not that I'll ever be on it, but just, like, what would I say if anyone ever asked me that? And I do have a – I think I have a couple candidates, but the one that stands out the most is, uh, like, I went to kind of a like a, a Christian liberal arts university for my undergrad. And uh, there's this old story from back in the day. I think it was some saint, like, Teresa of Avila or something like that. She – came up with this thing where you um 
like take put an acorn in your hand and like contemplate the acorn and it causes you to think about like life and and stuff like that so we were at this retreat um for like to kick off the school year and um I was a student leader at the time like a resident advisor so it was a retreat for first year students and the dean of students um it was in front of like a group of a few hundred people the dean of students got up and he gave this talk and he ended with uh this this thing about the acorn and um he actually uh ended it with a prayer and which is like the worst time you want to start laughing the hardest. <laughs> and he ended it by saying, um, he was like, and as we leave this place with our nuts in the palm of our hand, because <laughs> he had like he had passed out acorns to everybody as kind of like a symbol to keep in our pocket. So he, he says, as we leave this place with our nuts, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he didn't call it an acorn, an acorn, but he said it in our nuts in the palm of our hand. And I was sitting beside just a couple of good friends and we just like we had to leave the building because we were we just lost it. We could not believe that he had said that. And we every time we go back to the school, we just we bring it up and he we, we never let him live it down. So I think that was like the first the hardest I've ever laughed. I mean, how could you not? I mean, that's a, exactly. that scenario. It's always it is always without a doubt the moments where you know you're not supposed to laugh at all, but yeah, like totally. you just absolutely lose your mind. And I feel yeah. like almost like 95 to 99 percent of those moments are in church because yeah, you're, totally. you're supposed to be stoic and you're supposed to be like yeah. you know observing some uh, some sort of internal peace. Uh, and it's just that's just the way it goes. It's yeah. that's so funny. That's so yeah. good. Awesome. Well, hey Ian, I appreciate you coming on, talking a little bit yeah, about hockey. Thanks for having me. Talking a little bit about your background, and uh, hopefully we can have you again uh, sometime soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, buddy. All right, thanks a lot.